Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 165 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris, and this is Chris. Hello. This time we read First Impressions, book number one in the Last Intentions trilogy by S.J. Saunders, published independently on CreateSpace in 2015. This book was requested by our patron, The Nice Dragon, who said, I want to nominate one choice for a book that I read a while ago. And full transparency, I enjoyed it back then. It is called First Impressions by S.J. Saunders. It's the first of three installments in a rather short trilogy I found floating on Audible, but it never found an audience. Several years later, it has about five total reviews online. So I think the question for this book is, why did it flop the YA dystopia space? I use that term loosely. Is it too mediocre? Just got bad and irrelevant? Good but undiscovered? I don't know, but it's still special in my heart. I think you two would be able to dissect that question well enough, or at least form an opinion whether you like it or not. But it will be fun to listen to regardless. <laughs> Thank you, the nice dragon. Uh, we very much appreciate your patronage and this recommendation. We are going to talk about it in just a few minutes. But before we do that, just in case this is the first time you are listening to this show, dear listener, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Uh, sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet and looking for something to read. Usually, this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read, but once in a while, we actually do end up liking the book. Uh, before we get going, just keep in mind that in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion of just kind of like general sci-fi violence there's a little bit of body horror stuff too if you know you're not into hearing about like organs being grafted to robots then maybe today isn't for you but otherwise it's it's pretty light pretty light on uh troublesome mm -hmm. topics <laughs> mm -hmm. all right uh i chris do you want to do the back of the book and the characters then i'll read the summary sure. since you wrote it today happy to all right great so chris is going to go ahead and read the back of the book summary you know that that little like tagline paragraph that draws you in makes you want to buy this or i guess listen to it on audible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess that's the way to do it okay ever found yourself dropped into a room where everything is trying to kill you only to escape into the streets of boston and have the first person you meet turn out to be a reverse cyborg my name is Claire Jemima Stevens, and this is just one of those days. I'm not sure who I am or how I got here, but that's going to change. I have a name, a recording of the man who stole my life, and the memory of a boy with a kind, jagged face. 
All I have to do is find him. I mean, as a Boston resident, I've, yeah, I feel like. I feel like I'm always waking up confused. Yeah. Everything ready to kill me. Yeah, I feel like this is a good. Already, I'm like, yep, this person gets Boston. I mean, the MBTA alone is a hazard to my health, so. <laughs> this book understands that, actually. All right, so some characters in our setting here. Of course, we're in Boston. Like this said, future sci-fi Boston that seems to have like an underwater component to it, like under the Charles or something. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I mean, Chris, rising sea levels is what's going on there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But most of Boston is built on garbage that mm-hmm. we formed into land because we were like, there should be more land and we want to put buildings on it. So we just shoved a bunch of shit together to make manufactured land. So... Not actually a far-fetched idea, underwater Boston. <laughs> yeah. All right. So some characters we have: Claire Jemima Stevens, the main character, um, and like experimented upon teenager super soldier. She's like sixteen, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Chris, her friend. That was a fun part for me. Is that her friend here is just Chris, and he's just a nice dude, just a just a friend, just a friendly friend. Um, Glyph, her robot friend, who is sort of like half robot, half like human organs and body parts stapled to the the robot parts. Yeah. Um, there is Doctor Henry, a Harvard professor of somethingology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No one really knows. <laughs> not not really sure. That is like part of this whole super soldier program that Claire gets wrapped up in. North is this other researcher, also a doctor, I'm guessing, um, involved in this program. And then there are three other super soldier teenagers, Lucas, Annika, Roger, and the like general henchmen of Scalpel, I suppose, are milling about. There's also like a couple of street gangs here and there, but they're not super important. Uh, yeah. And just to clarify, Scalpel is the name of the program that the super soldiers are in because they are, uh, you know, entrusted to to go in and surgically remove problematic targets like a scalpel. Wow. Really, cool. Really, really on the nose. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris very helpfully wrote our summary for today. And this plot summary we create and read for you so that you understand all the basic main points of action, some basic character stuff, and just kind of get a sense for the story without having to read it uh, so that when we are talking about the book or complaining about it, you sort of know what we mean. Claire Stevens wakes up in a strange facility in the middle of future Boston and escapes using her super soldier skills, which she doesn't remember how she got because amnesia. The MBTA still doesn't work even in the future. She encounters Glyph, a robot and human body part cyborg that takes a liking to her. She finds out that she's wanted for breaking into Congress and murdering a senator. This, of course, horrifies Claire, whose last clear memories are about her simple home life and a friendship with a Chris, who is a kind and jagged face, which we will be told 12 times in this book. Claire seeks out Dr. Henry, a researcher and professor from one of her classes, whom Glyph determines was part of the project that Claire was part of. Turns out Dr. Henry recruited Claire because during Civil War III, Claire lived in the South, the Southern, was it the Southern United States? Yeah. And family members of hers were killed in an attack staged by people from the North. Despite that, she still decides to go to school in the North, which makes her good for a super soldier program for 
reasons? We're, we're not quite sure. Anyway, Claire finds Dr. Henry, and he seems apologetic, saying he never intended for the project to go this far. He pins it all on his partner, North, who wanted to use the Super Soldier program to engineer society in a way he saw fit by sending out Claire and her three associates, Lucas, Annika, and Roger, to selectively murder important people in a program known as Scalpel. Claire and Glyph make their way back to the facility for further insight into Claire's past and to take down North, but they are attacked by Lucas, Annika, and Roger on the way there and on the site. Claire fights her way through all of them while experiencing more memories from her time with Scalpel. Eventually, she finds that Scalpel also had a cloning program to ensure never-ending super soldiers. Her friend Chris figured it all out, of course, somehow, and went to the facility to free her despite not being a super soldier and not being from the North. He was killed before the book began. Claire and Glyph escape the facility after Dr. Henry appears and tries to kill Claire since she was going rogue against Scalpel and he was supportive of the plan all along, I guess. Claire and Glyph then break into another facility. <laughs> uh, it's just like a big, big evil government business tower, which is really a yeah. long fight until they reach the final boss room containing North and the president. They've all been manipulating both sides of the North and South conflict all along. Evil laugh and mustache twirl and evil chair turning claire dives out a fucking window with a president because since her clone inherits her memories except not the one this whole book followed so she can continue her mission to bring down other people involved in the conspiracy i don't think that sentence was fully formed chris but i'm just gonna go with nope. it <laughs> it's okay <laughs> um yeah uh all right so you know, general yeah, super soldier evil government, stuff. Yeah. super soldier program stuff here. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that there's really anything uh, more to say, except they added a cyborgy robot sidekick, and the main character was a girl? Is that it? Yeah. That, that's... That. That's not even like a new detail. That's, yeah, that's just I guess that's true. Something else to consider. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's discuss the things that were good. Uh, right, right off the top, my favorite place to start. This seemed mostly edited. There were maybe a dozen typos or like dropped or repeated words, but the sentences, paragraphs, and chapters were readable and generally made sense. They flowed. Some effort was put in here. Thank you. Thank you. Even though you, even though this person, I think this was this person's first book or something. I think so. You know, they clearly had an editor or did a lot of editing themselves. They must have had better readers. Like they must have, again, put effort into making the work flow and like make it legible and generally understandable. Thank you for just meeting that baseline because so yeah. many books don't. Yeah, there's a don't. coherent plot so here. So many books don't. So, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So we're, we're on the things that were good here. And my favorite thing about this book, which I guess might give you an example of like what else I thought of this, you know, what the high points. The highest point of this book is platonic opposite sex friendship. Oh, my God. For once, it's just two people of the opposite sex or, you know, genders that or rather sexual orientations that could be attracted to each other. But they're not. They're just pals. They're just good pals. That's it. There's not even a hint at anything else. Just your friends who like each other. You can do that. It's fine. People, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I I think I I don't know. I, I kind of got the sense that it. It was maybe hedging on the romantic, but I never got that far. There's even a line where uh, one of the bad guys is like, oh, you're faux mance. 
your fomantic partner or something. And I was like, oh, weird. Because you had told me like, hey, there's opposite sex friendship and it's with a guy named Chris. And I was like, oh, well. Um, you made it sound like I was excited about that he was named Chris too, but really I was just excited about the opposite sex friendship and a little bit weirded out. that. Do you have that thing? I think we've talked about this before. When you see people with your name in media... Do you ever have this, like, it's not like, oh, that's me. That's not how I feel. But just like, you know, you have this little moment of like, oh, that's, that's my name. I feel weird about that. Um, it doesn't really happen to me that much. It did happen to me a lot when Paris Hilton was at the height of popularity. And also when Michael mm-hmm. Jackson named his uh, daughter Paris. Daughter, I believe. Yeah, I believe daughter. Um, so, like, there was a period in the 90s and then a period in the early 2000s where, mm-hmm. you know, my name was kind of everywhere, but it's it's not common for women to be named Paris uh, generally in French-speaking countries. Um, it's technically a masculine name. I mean, I guess because, you know, we had to gender everything, but just traditionally speaking, it's... Uh, so it doesn't really happen to me as much. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where for me it was like, finally, the book about having a possible platonic opposite sex friendship and one of those people has my name and I'm like oh I guess it's only Chris's that can do that <laughs> yes only Chris's you're the only model that can just be friends yeah I mean I don't know I still thought it was the way it was presented was ugh, corny as hell but yeah I was also really glad that it was not heavy on the romance it was clear they really cared about each other but it wasn't they weren't like kissing or thinking about getting married or you know anything like that it was just kind of like hey we love each My other friend who i care about yeah um the action scenes were reasonably fine um i i found some of it a little hard to follow but i thought it, i thought it was just fine overall a lot of books struggle to do this i i don't know i wasn't as jazzed about it as you were i think but you know, I, I get for me, it's just about coherence. And I found most of it perfectly coherent in a way that I could figure out, OK, um, th- this person has moved over here and they're in this place in this room that I know the shape of and like what's relevant detail about what they can hide behind or where yeah, they can go that's, after that's that. True. Yeah. I don't know how this fits into my right action scenes, like sex scenes, kind of <laughs> double theory oh, right. thing that I've been like slowly trying to think about here. I mean, I may make an addendum to that idea and that it's only worked like it's the I'm talking about the physicality of something you're focusing on. Right. Like, you know, where right. are the body parts? Um, it, although maybe we need more like emotion focused action scenes. Right. Like, why haven't I ever teared up during a gunfight in any piece of media? I've, it's always been like, you know, pure testosterone or adrenaline kind of thing of like, oh, no, someone might get hurt. But I've never been like, like why? Why am I not crying in this gunfight? In well, this club. I mean, I think that's in this gun club. I think that's just how the human body works. I think adrenaline, you know, is meant to get to to help you engage in fight or flight, and crying is usually not a useful way <laughs> to fight or flight <laughs> to fight or fly. Um, so I think that's why. But you're right. I mean, I think I think there are plenty of situations where you may be about to shoot someone and be crying or be, get teary because it's. It, you know, even though it's not, po- you know, it it might have a lot of complicated emotional layers, and that can certainly lead to tears. Um, no, you're right, though. It is it is very 
procedural, uh, which is which is you know what you need for a baseline. But I don't know. I, I guess I to be clear, there's like details in the fight scenes that are corny and stupid yes, as hell that we'll get to yeah, later. Yeah. But I'm just talking about like the coherence of the fight scenes and being able to follow who is punching who or swinging a sword in what direction and so on. Yes, because there's sword fights in here. We'll get to that. I will. So like, I mean, yeah. Furthermore, although this really screams, I played video games and watched anime and I think I can novelize that style. Like there's a lot of things in here that really scream that at the top of its lungs. Like <laughs> yeah. the, again, the, the, again, the aforementioned sword fighting when guns are a thing, like, Every time I see, like, the guy with a sword when everyone has guns and, like, he comes out on top, I'm like, you fucking watched anime before. He's like, that's, like, the, like, cartoons are the only place where that could kind of reasonably maybe seem plausible. <laughs> yeah. And, like, also just, like, the way that, like, oh, there's facilities to break into and, like, there's, this like, you know, the evil bo- boss fight with the evil chair that swivels around later. Like, these are all things that tip off to me, like, what entertainment mediums you really enjoy a lot. Yeah, and, and as far as I'm concerned, like, once Metal Gear Solid happened... Any attempt to, like, parody that or do it again was just crushed under the heel yeah. of Solid Ag- Snake, Liquid Metal Snake. Metal Gear Solid <laughs> like, is, like, the perfect encapsulation of being, like, just stupid enough yes. to, to like, like, really make a parody of, like, all the American action movie tropes in just the right way, but also kind of take itself seriously just enough to to make it somewhat compelling and then you'll have like an incredibly prescient prediction about the state of misinformation and the usage of AI in the current <laughs> world that'll just slap you in the face at the end of the second game but that's another story um, <laughs> but yeah so although again this screams all that I think it does manage to avoid most of the things that usually plague this type of a, not all of them just some of the other things like you know not like with the aforementioned platonic friendship there's no creepy stuff yes here. correct yeah the characters have at least some mild depth. They're not just cool sword person, even though the main character is very much cool so- super soldier person. She's got, you know, she cares about her family and she's got this friend that she really likes. And like the way she interacts with Glyph even has like a little bit of nuance sometimes. Um, and also thank God for the, just the lack of charging up her energy. Beams. Like I was like, when, <laughs> yeah. when the sword came out at the start, I was like, she's good. This bitch is going to like start like charging her laser in a second or something. Like I know like her key or whatever is going to start compounding. I don't know. I was just waiting for that moment. And luckily it didn't happen. So hats off to you. Yeah. I will say I was really uh, relieved when we weren't lingering on, female body parts or talking about how hot claire was it was like no she is an adolescent young girl we are not going there and i was like fantastic thank you for not going there uh you know whenever it talked about her body it only talked about it so that you knew she was like emaciated or weak or maybe she was strong and toned and and like muscular and athletic because the all that stuff was relevant to the plot and that was totally fine See, you can write about a 16-year-old thin blonde girl and not sexualize her. It is possible. <laughs> it is possible. So I will say, like, this book is a good example of, like, you can actually do these things. It's actually not that difficult. <laughs> you just got to act normal about it, really. No, you're right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can have, you're right, you know, friendships between people who are, who maybe, like, could, you know, have 
uh, I don't know how to describe. How did you? You said it more eloquently than I did. Like you maybe could you you could be attracted to them, but you're not, and that's fine. And no one's trying to do yeah. that here, and yeah. we don't it, need to talk about it because that's uh, fine. Yeah. You know. Um, also, it's irrelevant to the actual plot at hand of like what your focus of your story. Right, is. right. There was no romantic subplot. Uh, you know. And like to care about someone enough to like want them to like save your life or have them save your life, it doesn't have to be romantic. Right, right. Doesn't have to be romantic. Um, I'm trying to remember what else. Uh, oh, right. And yeah, just nobody, none of the women in the story are sexualized. I mean, we can talk about, though, that like <laughs> this doesn't really, I don't think this passes the Bechdel test. Not that the Bechdel test is the be all end all, but like every conversation. I feel like it's a, just a low bar to clear, right? Every, like you can begin to talk about. <laughs> Every, if it's like got compelling female characters, if that bar is kind of met. Well, but the the bar, I mean, the Bechdel test, the bar is that two female characters have a conversation about something other than a man. And yes. it does not meet that criteria, unfortunately. Nope. So, um, and, and again, not that that's like the B, not that that's like the only test ever for the quality of a book. Yeah. But I, I do think that, this book succeeds in in like you said just showing that hey these things we a lot of these things we complain about all the time are actually pretty easily achievable you do not it's not hard to, to you know have a a female lead character who's not sexualized and doesn't have a romantic um subplot and you know can just have a friend who's a guy and it's not a problem uh there wasn't I also feel like there wasn't any weird racism stuff, which was good because I, I feel as though that also often haunts like action books and super soldier stuff. Um, I'll be honest with you. When like the street gangs came into it, I was like waiting with bated breath. I was like, is, <laughs> are you going to do, do the thing? Because it was like, uh, yeah, I was also concerned, but it, it seemed it seemed totally fine. They did not seem as though it engaged with any of that. So yeah good you you managed this author managed to skip over a lot of the horrible shit that we find common in books like this so that that was good um you have one more point i yeah i also found cliff kind of endearing i mean like he's not exactly like that unique a character all the way but he you know he's got some cute lines he's doing his like i'm interacting with humans and i am trying to understand human behavior which I know it was kind of a cliche thing, but you know he it's done decently here. Um, Glyph was like created by some like a, a man that was like arrested for making Glyph because it's like illegal to make a robot with that kind of intelligence or something like that, and like he hides out with the family for a while. And, well, he actually like he left the family because he didn't want them to be in danger, and he'll pop back up sometimes, and he takes Claire there at one point. So. He, it was like this robot character with like a little bit of a personality that I appreciated. I wouldn't say that it was like a top tier character, but just like, all right, I kind of liked it when Glyph was in a scene. So I feel two ways about Glyph. I thought Glyph was corny as fuck as a character. However, I really loved just the sheer creepiness of him being like, yeah, I steal organs from dead bodies because like... Robotic parts are too expensive and hard to come by. So I just find dead people sometimes and I take their lungs and shit. And I was like, wow, that's actually kind of great. I've never, I've actually never encountered 
a sci-fi book where there was like a robot grafting human parts onto itself. I mean, I'm sure it's been done, but it, it doesn't feel super common to me. And I thought that was good. And then at the very end, uh, there's a scene where he's actually harvesting organs from the uh, the extra clones of Claire that that they've deactivated. <laughs> Like kind yeah, and of she's a- like really creeped out because it's like her own eyes are staring yeah, back at her. Yeah. Like that's a kind of a neat detail to throw in. Yeah, right? I, like, I agree. That's I thought- my eyes on your robot face. That's I'm just a little bit creeped out. Yeah, so I thought that that detail about Glyph was great. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was kind of creepy, kind of interesting. Uh, but I thought, I I don't know the like little robot sidekick who saves your life and then you got to save his life like fuck off with that i just sorry we're just going right into things that were bad all right let's move into things we didn't like fine all right things we didn't like about this book um my immediate impression was uh we've your first impression oh (laughs) oh the pain i feel um (laughs) my first impression was we've got another not great book cover situation here. You know, this is probably like like usual brought on by a lack of funds. You know, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it doesn't really catch the eye or make me want to reach for it. And I say this because It'll it's very together. it's very bland in both color palette and imagery. It's like a thin blonde woman on a like taupe and gray background i don't know it's just it doesn't it's like her back is facing you don't even get like her face or anything it's the back of a blonde woman in a featureless empty room with like what i'm assuming is supposed to be a boston skyline taking up like the top fifth of the cover so most of the cover is an empty room yeah it's a strange choice um again it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Let me see. Because there's something very, like, word art about the cover, too. Okay, this was published it's, in Yeah, it feels very patched together because, like, okay. what well, Like, the lady doesn't seem to be lit in the same way the room is. And then, like, the skyline is just, like, above everything else. It's not like she's looking up out of an open ceiling to the skyline. Right. That's just, like, on top over there. So the last of the coverage is being like back of lady in featureless room and they're both not lit the same. Just has a really, you know, I had three pieces, three assets here. Lady, uh, generic room background, and then a skyline. And I just put them together in an order that kind of felt okay. Yeah, and the, the, the title of the book is in this faux brushed steel or brushed nickel metal plate and the font is is that impact probably I think it's it looks impact. a lot like impact yeah so yeah like i said there's something very word art ish about the yeah there's just it just gives me an unsettling <laughs> feeling like i look at <laughs> I it i mean i've like, seen you I do finer work with canva in 20 minutes so you know <laughs> yeah i mean you know to be fair canva didn't exist in 2015 but I don't know. I guess, yeah, I guess that was eight years ago. I don't know. Time is hard. Um, yeah, it's not great. But the, again, I mean, like, I'm, it's not, it's not horrible. And also, I understand. The, t- the title is I, the same way, right? Like, what first uh, impression? What? Like, the, who's making a first impression here? 
Well, is it, it says like in reference first, to the? It's first comma impressions. So first. That doesn't help. That doesn't, doesn't offer me any. That, that's what I'm saying. It actually makes it worse. It's a weirder title. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like incredibly generic. It describes nothing about what happens yeah. in the book, so I can't imagine like if this book was on a shelf, I it would be the most passoverable thing in the world. Yeah, I think I think first impressions is just a reference to like visual or mental impressions and how the main character is trying to figure out her own and others intentions cuz the series is called Last Intentions. Uh but it's still not good. It's like if I have to do that <laughs> what much is a work last to figure intention? it out. I, dude, I don't fucking know. Like your last intention, like the last thing you meant to do. I, I don't, I don't okay. know. It's bad. It's bad. Um. All right. So any, anyway, speaking I just, of bad I just cliches. Find, I, no, wait, wait a minute. Um, I do want to say, you know, I'm not trying to knock too hard on a book who that probably didn't have a very high budget. I think the author actually says his wife made the cover for him. So like. You know, you asked another person. I I don't know that I would recommend asking a family member, but it's you know it happens. Uh, but it just yeah, like you said, just very forgettable. All right, moving on. Okay, like the main thing, like pretty much everything else that we're gonna talk about here is under the same bullet point of like the most cliche shit ever. And, like, the usage of, like, these common plot devices or features that are just so unsatisfying. So, like, right off the bat, the amnesia as the central plot mystery, it just sucks, man. Like, I, I guess, like, the first couple of times you have this kind of story presented to you, I'm sure it's intriguing, but, like, how many pieces of media have we had where, like, the whole mystery is, like, I woke up and I don't remember nothing? You would think, with how often amnesia comes up in, like, movies and TV and books, you would think, like, every fourth or fifth person you know would have had to deal with a bout of amnesia in their life and they had to, like, pick up the pieces and put everything together yeah. for, like, us, the years and years. Like, you know, like, oh, Greg just had his amnesia attacking it's like getting your tonsils removed I was gonna, or something i was gonna say the incidence of amnesia is like chicken pox like oh yeah i yeah. had the amnesia <laughs> in second grade yeah <laughs> i know i like it really would seem like like you would think like, it would be way more common but as far as i understand actual amnesia is incredibly rare yeah it's not it's not common um especially and like the the type of amnesia that's not like coupled with like dementia right right, right. like yeah, just, just like i'm otherwise fine but yeah and yeah, you're right. I agree with everything you said. Um, and this book, I just don't feel like the the amnesia didn't matter. Did you also feel like this book did, that didn't matter at all? Because I did. I it it gave Claire like a reason to you know I guess like try to find Doctor Henry, but like it would you're right, it wouldn't have mattered if she woke up with like full memories and stuff because she she would have still have she regains her memories so quickly that it's not a plot point. Not to mention she immediate like you immediately know she's a super soldier. I mean, yeah, immediately and, you're like, well, she she's like, how do I have all? How do I know how many bullets are in this gun and like where the door is and how to get out of the the water room or whatever? And it's like, okay, well, she's in this facility and she's doing all these like amazing feats of agility. 
clearly she's a super soldier. Like, I don't know what other conclusion. (laughs) Yeah, I've read this story a couple of times before already, man. Like, this isn't a big... And you're right. Also, like, the way the amnesia is resolved is extremely unearned. At least, like, in other stories, it's like you gotta find the one spot where, like, the memory is activated or something. But she's just, like, getting flashbacks constantly. Yeah. And it's not like they're that obscure. Like, like the second or third one she sees, like, clearly it's just like, oh, you're in training for the super soldier thing. Like, there's your super soldier buddy. Like, like there's the one evil researcher or whatever. Well, and so like, my, what? my problem is that this is over the course of like a few days. <laughs> you're like, yeah, wow. Like, if you just chilled out for a minute, you probably would have. You wouldn't have to like go storm the facility again or whatever. Just like relax for a minute. Yeah, because I feel like even if she did have her full memories, she would have still been on the same trajectory. She still would have wanted to find out what happened to Chris. She still would have wanted to find out what happened to the other super soldiers and where North and Henry were. So like, I just don't why it was a needless element to the story. (laughs) It did not add any mystery. Like I just, I couldn't understand. I was like, why did you do this to yourself book? This didn't, it just, I don't know. So again, this really screams to me as someone that like does like a lot of video games or anime because like this classic video game intro is you wake up with amnesia in a room. Like also like the most cliche, aside from you wake up in a jail cell, which is perhaps the top (laughs) way to start a D&D campaign, which I am guilty of. Yes. That's an easy way to do it. But like, I, I mean, aside from that, like you wake up with amnesia and you must find out about your sordid past is like the start of every 10th action movie or video God, game not even every 10th like every other one i all 90 percent of them like it just seems <laughs> like such a high number of them start like okay you have i feel like you have two paths you have amnesia or you have they killed my wife and son you know, like, that's, that's it. Those are your roads you could go down. Those are your choice. The only possible motivations for uh, gunfights to happen. Yeah, like, I... Mean, like, I, like, I what's, what's the Frost poem? It's like, I chose the path on the left or whatever. It's like, yeah, you've only got two options. Yeah, that's the man. famous Frost poem. Paris is like, there were a left and a right path, and I had to choose one. Robert Frost. I, <laughs> that's the whole point. I mean, or or it's just, you know the entombed record left-hand path that's that's what he chose yeah. <laughs> he yeah, was like i choose entombed <laughs> <laughs> i mean like so yeah like the amnesia thing is just so over like it's it, it it's like you know having the same meal all the time and you're just like can we add something to the amnesia it's just not compelling to me anymore right like i don't Especially since the amnesia recovery method is always just some really wishy-washy garbage. Like, there's never been a, a satisfying amnesia recovery device, I think, in any story involving amnesia out there, right? Because, like, again, because amnesia is so rare medically that, like, and, like, the recovery of it generally is, like, I guess it might come back sometimes, but generally it doesn't. Like, so you can't really have a nice, easy or satisfying way in a story for it to to come together in a way that makes me feel like, okay, that makes sense that you would, you know, all of a sudden remember everything because of that. I don't know. It, it crosses over with, like, the unreliable narrator thing, which is not what's happening here, but, like, that same way of, like, obscuring things that happen to someone and you just have to be like, oh, well, they just forgot everything. I don't know. I just hate it. I don't like it. 
Yeah, and again, especially because in this in this book, I don't see how her path her path wouldn't have changed. I like I just don't I don't get it. Ugh. All right. All right. I mean, for more cliche stuff, I mean, this is like anime cliche realm, but like deflecting bullets with your sword. Oh yeah, like, that hurt. Come that hurt on. me. That hurt me when it happened. Man. Like and like it happens in like most of the gunfights is where she's like pating 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 like she's being attacked from many like surrounded by people with guns and she can just like do the sword thing in just the right way to deflect the bullets all the time like in cartoons it kind of works because it's a cartoon even like I'll even allow Star Wars to get away with it with like the lightsaber reflecting the blaster fire because like the lasers are kind of slow in star wars so like you can kind of think like someone with a good enough reaction time might be able to make that happen but like just regular guns and swords like i i'm pretty sure a bullet would still just shatter a fucking sword if you shot at it the right way enough even like if you allow like two bullets to ting off the blade i'm pretty sure number 10 or 11 would start deforming the blade well no not if you have a really high quality super folded steel i i think it would with i think it could withstand it however the level of reaction time and accuracy that requires like you said i mean it it's sort of when it comes to like jedi and star wars and and deflecting like laser blasters jedi are it's it's very it's canon in that series that they have uh mind powers right like they're supposed yes. so that to me works right because you're like okay they are hyper aware hyper focused they can kind of sense things before they happen a little bit so like of course those people could deflect yes. you know energy charges you know with with their saber or whatever but if we're talking like regular Earth physics in the year, I don't yeah. know, 2080 or whenever. This, I mean, she didn't even like take the super soldier juice from like Captain America or whatever. It's just a regular lady that like did enough push ups. You're telling me if I do enough push ups, I can fucking deflect bullets. With I, yeah, a sword? I, yeah, I don't. I have a hard time buying that too. I feel like it is just a bad thing to include when you could just rely on her incredible agility, like you did in all the other scenes where she's like bouncing off walls and tumbling and you know avoiding things in a way that makes some sense i mean i still i still feel like sure bullets gonna are gonna John kill Wicked you no matter least, what but yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right like john, Listen, john if Wick there's is 10 fine. guys if there's a te- if there's 10 guys with guns in a room and you're in the middle of the i don't care what's happened man it's over for you <laughs> yeah like, yeah i yeah, yeah, don't the deflecting bullets with swords thing is I understand like that's like action story tro- like you we're not going to ever do that because then otherwise there would be no action stories. But at the same like the deflecting the bullets with the sword is a bridge too far for yeah. me. It, it's just cuz it like lowers this like why do I okay, if she's deflecting the bullets easily, why do I care every time there's like a gang of dudes rolling into this room? There's no stakes for well, it. Well, this is on top right, of that. Yeah, this is my my critical point about why this genre of book, the whole super soldier thing, like I never give a shit about it because there are no stakes. There are never any stakes. They are always so superhuman that nothing bad can ever happen to them, really, 
because either they literally can't die, their limbs regenerate, or in this case, we have fucking clones. So, like, and her mind is just easily transferred to a new body, and it's like, okay, well... <laughs> then cool. why do I care about any of this? Why do I care about Claire? Why do I care about program? Yeah. <sighs> we don't even get the layer of like, you know, your memories being passed to a clone where it's like that consciousness that was killed does end and it's just like this new upload. I don't think it's even that. I literally think it's a continuing yeah, there's con- continuity. Same yes. consciousness. Yes, there is continuity because that's how the book ends with Cla- the Claire we were introduced to is one of the clones. You know, she's not the OG. And at the end, she gets ported into the OG body, which was at least kind of sort of interesting. Um, you know, it, usually you end up, I feel like, either just the clone goes on or or it's just the original person at the beginning. But that, yeah, that being said, it's like there's no, there's no stakes. Like when she fucking <laughs> lobs the president out a window along with herself, I was like, whatever. Uh, this is of course exciting. you would do that if you're just if yeah. you know you're just gonna respawn down next to the donkeys in an hour, <laughs> right? Oh my like God. we talked about this for like the the doing the Dark Souls thing, this right? Is, like right, like you just resurrect at the last dunks that you, <laughs> you came up in. You are now entering. <laughs> The dunks. I forgot about the dunks. Yeah, this is the dunks, man. Like, we're here. Instead of, like, bonfire lit, it's, like, regular iced gosh or something. Right, like... Dunkachino. Achinoed. (laughs) (laughs) No, it just says dunked. Like, that's the respawn. Um... I, yeah, I yeah. So we've got cloning. I mean, your your note. I should just let you take it. It's a good one. Yeah, basically, like you have amnesia. You got cloning. If we had time travel in here, you would have had like the trifecta <laughs> yeah. of like shit ass plot devices that are always unsatisfyingly resolved and barely make sense. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's all three of them in there <laughs> would have been. You should have just thrown it in for good measure, honestly, oh. just to like. <laughs> yeah. I mean. While we're on it, you know, villains, we already mentioned this. Oh, like, they, yeah. they they, can't fucking wait to spill the beans <laughs> about their evil plots. They're just, like, sitting ready to go, like, immediately. Like, even, Dr. Henry is, like, cool for one scene. And, like, the second time he shows up, he has a good, he's like, but I, actually, I, I, I can hold it in. I'm also, I'm fine with this evil plot. And, in fact, I, here are my reasons that I will list out while we are tra- in a gunfight. And then, like, the last bit where you know claire enters the final boss room and there's a leather chair that spins around and gasps it's the president like, yeah i was i oh I, that was killing me i was like this is terrible and then the president shoots north because she doesn't actually care about him that's so she's extra evil because even the evil ones will kill the other evil ones because they are that uncaring no loyalty ah. pure evil Blah. yeah I, I was manipulating the north and the south all along haha like i i don't know man it's yeah Again, I feel like maybe this is like some kind of like novelty thing in my or my nerves are so frayed with this kind of story <laughs> that like I just can't feel it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I barely felt it the first few times, right? So this, I'm just like, okay, yeah. And you're in the you spin around and you just say like, ha ha, it was me all along. I'm the president. You never expected that. And I, there was one more layer to the conspiracy. I'm in control of it. Okay, cool. And then we have the speech. I like I don't know, man. This is why, like, 
you know, in Alan Moore's Watchmen, it's such like a cool moment when Ozymandias is like, I fucking unleashed the squid 20 minutes ago, guys. Like, you think you're, I, you think I would have let you in here yeah, right, if right. I didn't already release the squid? Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, want... how is that just like a mind blowing moment? Because like the villain thought to be like, I, I already did it. I didn't wait. Well, I yeah, did the, like, well, yeah. I mean, Watchmen is one of the very few things I've enjoyed. Uh, be, uh, sort. I mean, not really. Sort of along this line because the super people are just reg. They're just regular people. They're not like the, right. The story is not about yeah. like how their superpowers make them super cool and how they can get out of fights. Even Doctor Manhattan, literally like an invincible being is like not like he's the point of him in the plot is not because he is so cool and powerful. It is like the crushing implications of his existence is the plot point. Right. So like, that's way more interesting. Like how would everyone else react to this being being around? Well, yeah. And everybody else is just a person with a lot of fucking problems. Some of them very deep and terrible. Um, And yeah, I, it's, yeah, anyway, I, I enjoyed Watchmen. Um in all its forms. <laughs> Do, read Watchmen. <laughs> yeah, I've I've I read read the graphic novel, I watched the film, I saw the series. They're all they're all good from what I I mean, I guess the series I saw most recently in like twenty twenty. The other things, oh boy. I read that graphic novel when I was nineteen, so I don't I don't know. I'm I'm older now, so I don't know if I would feel the yeah. same way, but I think so. I, I feel like it would stand up. Anyway. Yeah, again, it, like, it, it feels like such a low bar to me, and especially when we just praised this book earlier for like hitting other low bars of like, you know, the, the platonic friendship and not treating street gangs as like racial stereotypes. These small things kind of like, why couldn't you have applied that kind of thinking to like your central plot? idea here like if if you have a super soldier program maybe like make the even though it was a lot about claire trying to find chris and like just get back to like some normalcy there like i feel like even that whole subplot there is just kind of like and then chris dies so he's a reason for claire to go out and get revenge and go shooty gunny sorty at everyone and ping 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 but she was was already going shooty shooty gunny snorty or whatever at people like <laughs> i know it's just like i feel like if you had focused more on her maybe trying to like explicitly get away from all those things and like reintegrate with her friend chris like I, that would have been a more compelling story to me honestly all right i mean Ugh. do we want to get into other stuff yeah we all right this is this is all right, you have entered the dunks. This is now the Boston area of the, of the discussion. All right, so you all know we live we live in Boston. Uh, and so it was funny to us that this was set in Boston in... The book is very careful not to date itself, which I actually thought was kind of smart. It's like 2-0, yeah. dot, dot, dot. So you don't know if it's 2000 or... I'm sorry. I think it said it was the century. I think it might be in the 2100s or like... 2090 or something so it's it's in the future not super far but several decades and uh even even in this book the mbta still doesn't work and if you live anywhere (laughs) in the boston area you know what the fuck we're talking about (laughs) 
should be the like, new universal constant for anything set in the Boston area is like the fucking public transit system <sighs> is garbage. At this point, they were like shooting her through tubes or something, right? Like to get from like the underwater part. Were, to, like, yeah, it was... I guess that's what the fucking Sumner Tunnel is going to get. <laughs> no, it's the blue line. To. It's the blue line. Yeah, right. Like. It's literally the blue line is going to just be like, I don't know, get in this fucking tube. Good luck. Yeah, you're going under the water. You're going to smell seawater. Don't be afraid. Don't breathe. Um, just don't breathe, actually. Can you hold your breath? Okay, cool. Yeah, I just... I... shuttle. Bu- by the way, shuttle buses are replacing service for three-fourths of the tube, <laughs> so you'll have to get on an underwater bus and also hold your breath with 500 other people crammed into the same shuttle bus that also like the signage is bad and like you have to it's not even near the station it's like three blocks down the street and the only way you can figure out where it is is it was like a nice homeless person actually assists you because he's been doing this all day to help people get to the fucking bus and then asks you for spare change a real thing that happens to me <laughs> look look man if you gotta all right look you gotta take the blue tube you gotta take the shuttle bus. When you get off the shuttle bus, you gotta find the nearest crab. The crab will direct you to your connecting tube. Uh, yeah, the Massachusetts. Also, that there's shuttling on that tube too. Also, the tube after that is slow. There's a slow zone in that tube the because we haven't signed off on the maintenance reports, Teresa. <laughs> okay. Uh, for those of you who do not have the pleasure and joy and misery and sadness of living within the bounds of the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority, Transportation Authority, uh, th- all right, we are living with the oldest subway system in the country. It was built, I don't know, 1901, I think we started this shit. So and and basically we just <laughs> they haven't fucking updated shit since then. <laughs> yeah, like the last time things were serviced well and things were replaced was like the sixties, maybe eighties, <laughs> um, something like that. You know, so they they like have extended some lines, but then not fixed other things on other lines just to make them basically functional. So there's a lot of like bus shuttling instead of being able to take the subway because they're like oh the fucking tracks ate someone again we gotta fix it tonight so get on a bus and it's just let me uh, let me just describe to you my commute tomorrow (laughs) to band practice okay this is something that i've had to deal with off and on for the past i don't know four months so i have i get up I go, there's a train station, uh, you know, short walk from my place. Yeah, five minutes. That's on the red line. So I, I go there. So tomorrow, the portion of the line that I take to switch to another line is completely replaced by a shuttle bus because, like, basically three quarters of the line is a bus instead. Now, I have to connect to another line that gets on uh, a station called Park Street. So the the shuttle that I'm on should take me to Park Street and then I can switch over there. But for the portion where the, the most lines intersect, the shuttle does not actually drop you off in front of those stations. It drops you <laughs> off like five blocks down the road in the middle of the city, like in the middle of like the financial district. And then you have to walk five blocks to get to that connecting um, other line. And of those two lines, 
I then take that to the commuter rail. Those lines are functioning, albeit slowly, because the whole, basically the whole system is plagued with slow zones. So something that should normally take me maybe five to seven minutes is probably going to take me ten to fifteen. And the, if I'm and lucky. the slow zones are because we didn't pass federal inspection. <laughs> So they're like, we can't certify that it's safe enough to operate the train at normal speed. So now you have to operate at like five miles an hour. (laughs) Yes. Then I get on the light rail, the commuter rail. And I have to go from North Station to Haverhill, except this weekend, half of that line is also a shuttle bus. Chris, it's like God hates you. It's amazing. So I have to get off halfway down this line, board a bus that will then take me the rest of the way down to Haverhill, and then one of my band members picks me up and drives me the rest of the way, because they all live in fucking New Hampshire. Well, and Haverhill is like a... you know, a third ring suburb or fourth ring or something. So yeah, it's basically I could walk past the border of New Hampshire, but then there's like a little shorter jaunt after that. And so let me describe you. This happened. I had the same commute like a month ago, essentially. And then I was on like the shuttle bus going back to catch like the light rail going back to Boston, halfway down the light rail line, except before I got to that stop, um, there was a freight train crossing some train tracks at another <laughs> station that we got. We're, you know, picking people up at a completely different train from, you know, just big old, like four and a car long freight train. It stalls in the middle of the tracks and just sits there. So the bus just sits there for the next half hour. And I miss the connecting thing. And then when I go on the MBTA Twitter and I say, like, I... I hate this. Please end my suffering. The MBTA Twitter is like, next light rail trains in two hours. By the way, there's nothing in the area around the light rail station where I was supposed to... Like, I couldn't go get a bite to eat. There's shit over there. It's just like a fucking empty parking lot with some train tracks running through it and a sign. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? Chris. The answer is I have to pay for a fucking $40 Uh, Uber home. I will say um, the commuter rail is not a light rail. (laughs) Just so you know, light rail is a subway. Like a streetcar, not not the commuter rail. Commuter rail is like a a train. I always thought... I thought... I thought subway was like, you know, sort of like inner city, its own category. Light rail was like your commuter rail and like heavy rail was like those freight trains that like stalled out there. I thought that was the subdivision. I always thought light rail was like above ground and subway goes underground and then commuter rail. I'm, I, I mean, a commuter rail is just a train, a longer distance train. I don't really know. Um yeah, I guess I always considered like your Amtrak and your freight trains to be heavy rail, but that makes no fucking sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, you're probably right. I think that's it. Anyway, I was just trying to make sure people understood that you weren't just going for the subway. You were going to like a distant suburbs. You were getting on like a train ass train with like a conductor, like a locomotive is what I'm saying. Yes. yes Those are yes. locomotives. Um, so yeah, Chris had to take, I don't know, six different forms of transportation. Go to bed. That's tomorrow. That's I'm waking up tomorrow. Oh, it's midnight right I'm now. Sorry. I have to go to bed and wake up at like eight so I can like prepare myself and shower and lug all the shit over to band practice. Although we're mostly just recording parts and editing for our new album, so it's you know that'll be fun. It's worth it. Point being, um, I guess the author gets points for very accurate description <laughs> of uh, Boston here. Uh, although there was something else we thought that was not a good choice, where the like the university that's involved in like evil super soldier stuff is Harvard in this book. And we're like, dude, there's like 7,000 universities in Boston. Harvard isn't really the one I would, Oh, I would choose for super soldiers either that. Yeah. 
I mean, MIT is right there. Yeah, MIT is the obvious choice. I thought it would have been extra funny if they went with the Benjamin Franklin Institute of Technology. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's like um, sleeper. That's like a sleeper school that no one thinks about. But that's a tech school. Um, Benjamin Franklin was born in Boston. If if listeners don't know that, so um, yeah, I just like Harvard feels like a choice because like, well, that's the Ivy League one that's here, right? Like, that's, but then like <laughs> Dr. Henry, what, what is his? area like mm. with super soldierology like captain america ology like what is he supposed to be <laughs> yeah it doesn't say like he's a geneticist or anything it's very strange uh <laughs> by the way that's the other thing i want to mention about like i kind of alluded to this before with like claire and her super soldier thing were, were they they weren't like injected with anything or like it was just like we just did a lot of gym shit yeah right I was, like what? i was confused by that too because i <laughs> I thought sure, like there's the cloning and everything, yeah. but that's like after you've just like done a lot of crunches or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I also was confused by that. I we got to the end and I was like, huh, okay. I I don't know. It just seemed so. Actually, I think I took. I think I highlighted a couple of passages because I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, what's the? What are they gonna say? Because I actually thought she was gonna turn out to be. <laughs> a robot because it was so heavy handed mm. with her disliking robots and kind of being you know suspect like suspicious of glyph at first and i was like oh she's gonna be like a cyborg or a robot herself at the end and you know it ended up being a clone which is crossed my mind oh yeah i thought that was gonna be the obvious choice um Oh, yeah, because I have a note that's like, wait, but she's a cyborg, though, right? And then it was like, nope, just an organic clone. And I was like, uh... Yeah, I also don't understand what their specialties were. Like, if they weren't fucking with, you know, the human genome or whatever, then why... What was Dr. Henry's... And I mean, I guess Dr. Henry was recruiting the kids. Um... Like what is what is the training you are doing to be able to do ting ting bullet deflection sword? Like what possible training could you be doing that would make that something that you could rely on? Yeah, I mean she definitely seems to have like all the super soldier kids seem to have superhuman abilities, like they like not able to be achieved through natural means is what I'm is what I thought. Um Same here. Yeah, I'm. So that was just a very confusing part for me where I was like, I don't understand. Like, why? How did you get to this level of ability? Yeah, and I feel like we didn't even. And, you know, even with the cloning stuff, we didn't really even get into complicated questions about identity and personhood and um, continuity of consciousness. Like, Classic clone plot trope. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't touch any of that. It was just like. Oh, well, she's the one who's alive with the memories, so she's our main character, I guess, so whatever. We're not going to think about it, and just didn't engage with that at all, which was a bummer, but um, yeah, I don't know. I thought, yeah, Harvard was a weird choice, I guess. Uh, um, You know, I do realize we kind of forgot to read passages from the book, so we might want to just... We don't always have to do that. Uh I think it's helpful, but um, <clears throat> sure. But like, what, what can you? What's an interesting enough passage to pull out of here to even read? Like, that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? Like, what? 
Um, <clears throat> let's go through my notes here. Um, while you're looking for that passage, let me just add a point that I kind of thought about while you mm-hmm. were talking about super soldier versus evil government fiction. <clears throat> it's like with how I see, you know, the failings of our current government working, I also am less and less intrigued by this like one super person standing up against the entire evil organization. Like, it, I think it kind of ruins people's ability to think about collective action and, like, how the change will come through many little actions by many people instead of, like, the one main character of the story who has, like, all the power and ability to, like, take on this yeah. this thing here. And also just, like, you know, the same way that, like, I'm not so into the mustache twirling um villain anymore because i feel like the evil in like evil government is like 5000 shitty people in like staff positions or like the senator that just like you know just doesn't have time for your problem it's not even like they're they don't think of themselves as mustache twirling if they don't have an overall plot besides like oh i got paid by the fucking lobbying company so i'm going to vote slightly in their favor and that combined with the hundreds of other local senators that do that are just making your life incrementally shittier every single time like that's really what you know the, those kind of villainy we're dealing with here so like this overarching evil conspiracy doesn't compel me anymore i want like the death by a thousand cuts villainy yeah that we're experiencing <clears throat> yeah that's far more realistic um <clears throat> speaking of things in books that are really stupid um i so uh, disclaimer wherever we put this in the episode the book after this one we actually recorded that episode first and it um broke my mind and body and tether to reality it just ripped me from this this earth so i didn't take the best notes for <laughs> this episode which is why i'm going back through my notes in this book and realizing i forgot a bunch of shit like this book uh uses the g slur real quick which is not great really wish that wasn't in it um also why do action books and movies love emergency tracheotomies? This book has an emergency tracheotomy with a silencer. I think that's a good passage to read. <laughs> I'm going to read it. True. <clears throat> he pulls a rag out of his pocket and wraps it around his SMG's pinky size silencer, unscrewing it and tossing it to me. As I catch the silencer, I flick the tip of my sword across the lower part of the gasping dragon's neck uh the dragon's like a gang member the leader's eyes widen further at my apparent kill but i jab what i hope is the cooler end of the silencer into the tiny cut the dragon offers a gargled squeal fighting to push me away but i hold the metal tube in place pleading for this to work a second later the dragon gives a long labored gasp and a small puff of air gushes through the silencer as he exhales i stand again turning to the slack-jawed leader get him to a hospital why an emergency I, tracheotomy is like a hallmark, a shitty cliche in like all <laughs> like why are we obsessed with this? You and also I don't even think that person needed a tracheotomy. Like I don't even remember what the situation was. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, it's stupid. It's just a common stupid thing. Yeah, this is a weird passage. Um 
I approach it without incident, showing what I hope is the right amount of interest in the vaunted architecture when I pass through the main door. Marble staircases shoot off from either of from either side of me inside, curving around to meet the large balcony above. <laughs> Sounds like you are growing marble staircases out of your sides, which is not super soldier power. Yeah, that's <laughs> marble staircase man. Marble staircases activate. <laughs> marble staircase man, we have to go down. Fuck. You'll have to find marble staircase down, man. I mean, there were there were just a lot of passages that I I thought there were a lot of dialogue lines that I thought were really corny. Um like when she when Claire is having her first confrontation with Henry, Dr. Henry, <clears throat> he ends the confrontation by saying Regret furrows Henry's features as he motions for the chair by his desk. I think you should have a seat, Miss Stevens. It seems I have not concluded my lessons for today. Oh, Jesus mm. Christ. We get it. You're a teacher. Cool. And he's like, I think in the video game vernacular, uh, your friend... Lucas would be the tank of your group. I mean, just stuff like that was See, super... like right there. That's what I'm talking about with like very obviously someone that like thinks that they can take the the cliches of another medium and turn them into like a book. Like I don't know why people think like I can just turn that into a book and it would be entertaining. Uh. Like no, it's, it's different mediums work different ways, guys. Like no one would ever say that, "Oh, you're the tank." Yeah, no. Oh, I got another one. You know what we forgot to talk about? The gas station robot robbery murder scene that just did not need to happen, and I don't know why it was in the book. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I, it it kind of stuck out to me because I was I was waiting for something to come of that as well, but I think it's just generally part of like the... And they were experimenting with cloning and robots and like semi-sentient life forms or something i don't know (laughs) well i have a great i have a great note um there is a part uh hang on i'm just gonna read it at a small pulse from his mechanical palm the devices trained on us give a little squeal of protest before the recording indicators sputter and die a closed spectrum emp glyph explains turning to henry and me any devices that might have recorded our presence are temporary, temporarily disabled, and all recent recordings have been erased. Witnesses can still describe us, but a lack of physical evidence can only work in our favor. He gestures to the door. Shall we be on our way? And my note, my note was, Here come the bots in black, plot hole defenders. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's because a bunch of people like recorded the fight at the gas station and they solved this problem by being like, oh, the robot has an EMP that like disables all the phones. Like, fuck off. I, I, that's so stupid. I mean, I've also seen that in a lot of other action movies too. So, like, once again, yeah. sort of like genre trope here. Oh, and God, we didn't even sorry because i neglected to take notes for this we missed just a bunch of shit we forgot to talk about how chris the friend like becomes the antagonist to the evil people because he like is a hacker or something and like gets into a bunch of documents and he has a special code that 
he uses the special code is like just his like screen yes, name his... when he was like playing video games. It's like not even that deep. No, it's well, no, they they uh, Claire and Chris had come up with a special fake language when they were younger, and so it is written in some weird like I don't know cuneiform or something that only they know. But um, yeah, so he has become like a super hacker and has a bunch of people behind him who are like, yeah, down with the, I don't know, down with the secret super soldiers, but like, they're supposed to be <laughs> secret. I don't fucking understand. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I, oh, this is, this is not a good book. Um, It's just, just almost done scrolling through here. I was also at the very end. I was really confused by the whole, like, Oh, they're trying to make you care about Glyph maybe dying, but I was like, but he's a robot. He can't die. Like, I just didn't get it. I was like, I know he has, you know, organ like human lungs and an eye, but his mind and his main functions are that of a robot, so he won't die. Like, why does this matter? Why are you trying to get me to care? Like, if his lungs shut down and his human organs atrophy due to lack of oxygen, like, it's fine. You just get new... Like, I, I did... I just could not comprehend why we were so desperately trying to save maybe, like, Glyph. the lungs were, like, you know, like, providing power to the hard drive, and if, like, it, the power turns off, the memory gets wiped or something? I don't... I, I didn't... I guess we're to assume that? I... I mean, that would be a... So you have cloning tech that can transfer biological fucking memory. Right. But you don't right. have, like hard drive transfer <laughs> that's what i mean it just i didn't get it i was like why is claire killing herself to plug in the robot when like it's a robot you can plug it in later man like it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's I like i'm on one percent battery please i was like it's fine like i'll just, just turn off I'll, I'll get the plug later yeah i i left the fast charger at home it's fine Cliff. <laughs> just turn off and yeah i i and it was so weird they're like trying to get you to be like oh no the robot might die and i'm like i don't think it will though i don't care <laughs> and then they make it even worse because you know there's a part where they're like he's like oh no I only have 7% energy and my my organs are not getting air. They're going to die soon. But then after a bunch of time passes, it's like, oh, no, he's at 2% and he's going to die. And she, like, manages to plug him in. And then she's like, well, I plugged you in, but, like, how are your organs? And he was like, oh, it's fine. I just, like, shut them down so I could just replace them later. And I was like, fuck you. This is so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I forgot about God, that part. I was so mad. So, so, like, why do you have like the like that? The lung is providing oxygen to the other to I guess parts. the other human parts, right. but like, right. so what? Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm not a robot biologist, but it sounds pretty stupid to me. Robot, robot biologist. Robobiologist. I'm not a robot biologist. Um, <sighs> yeah, I. There was also uh, the scene where at the towards the very end where Claire fights uh, Roger, maybe. Um, uh -huh. And she's describing how 
she manages to pull him off the cliff with her. And she's like, it felt like we were falling for an eternity. And I'm like, okay, so they were falling. But then she's like, oh, but then my sword is sticking out from underside the cliff. And I'm like, okay, then you weren't falling for an eternity because you're it's not like your sword was sticking out like halfway down the chasm. Like I, I just was really confused about that. I don't I don't know if you remember that part, but I do remember that part and like I also just in my brain I was like, I guess it was whether she didn't really fall that far or something. And then you know, she grabs onto the sword which would immediately dislocate your shoulder. Yeah, I don't think yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's just ridiculous. Um and yeah, I don't know. And like Chris dying and like oh god, it was just so much of this was so corny. Um and then yeah, the explanation for her being a clone is just I like we needed to really power up the first one and then we just made copies and there's no discussion of how that made any sense uh given what we were seeing and their abilities. You're really just supposed to accept a lot of stuff on face value. Okay. Oh, I think. And Chris that... only has a kind, jagged face. We are told so many times what his kind, jagged face. Jagged. What does face. a jagged face mean? Like a really chiseled face, I think is what she means. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh... I always have trouble with that particular descriptor. I just imagine someone with like, you know, random angles cut out of their face <laughs> or something like literally sharp points. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's what that means. I, I mean, that was... Glyph should have the jagged face. All right, Paris. Well, I mean, we're already here. Can we fix it? And I mean, I just don't know if I'm into, like, the backbone of these kinds of stories enough to, like, really be that interested anymore. And, like, you know, this is coming from someone that likes, you know, I, my genre of choice is, like, the fantasy novel, and I'll almost, like, eat anything up in that area well enough, but I still need something, like, t- t- you know, different. Like, that's kind of think why I like fantasies, because at least, like, if nothing else, I can kind of fall back on some, like, of the interesting world building or, like, effects that some new, you know, magical or supernatural idea might work on. But, like, with this kind of super soldiery thing, like... Even in this one, the conspiracy behind it is, like, thin and predictable, like a three-ingredient soup. Like, you dropped in a potato, a celery, and, like, one spice into water. And that's all we have here. The cloning aspect removes all stakes. There's no tension to it because of that. Like, just have them be the one person so that there's some tension and some danger in deadly situations. Deflecting bullets with swords just makes me feel like nothing is going to hurt you. (laughs) And even though Claire does get injured by other super soldiers, she just has, like, healing juice. She's got, like, you know, like, spray-on gel. So who fucking cares? (laughs) Like, like, it doesn't matter. So to answer the nice dragon's question, um, I think this didn't make it because there's, like, nothing... New or exciting or different or interesting to talk about. Like, there's nothing even really funny for us to pick apart here to like kind of rag on too hard because like it's just what is in here that I have not seen done better or more interestingly or have like a better angle on it in this style. And I mean, not that YA dystopia is like the realm of creativity. Uh, Like, I'm trying to compare it to like other ones, like you know, your Hunger Games or stuff like that. Um, I haven't read that 
or anything, but I don't know, at least like there's sort of the angle of like, it's a death fight, you know, like that's was sort of interesting back when the Hunger Games came out. Now it's like, you know, Fortnite's out there and all that shit's the same stuff all the time. But, you know, it's certainly not an awful effort, but this is the most four out of ten book I've ever seen for just like four points for being able to write a coherent story and like have decent editing, right? Like, it's, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't even give it the fifth point I feel, for I, interesting story. Well, I feel like it should rank at least at a five because it didn't engage in creepy sexualization, misogyny, like romantic subplot. It didn't have a lot of those bad, bad sure, things. You know so what? I would at least sure. leave it at a five. It, Fine, it, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll up that point. Then you're right. There's a real solid down the middle. Like, eh. yeah. Um. So th- this book is not for me, and I acknowledge that. But I also did not enjoy it. Like I like this isn't a genre for me. But it didn't. It didn't like change my opinion of the genre. Or, like lift me out of that <laughs> dislike. However, it didn't actively hurt me, at least, you know, unlike the book for True. next week's episode, which actually hurt me. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, this this book just felt like a gentle misting of some, like, straight-to-streaming action film by an obscure production company. Kind of like when you pick something off of Hulu starring an actor you saw as a guest star on an episode of SVU in 2001, and you're like, what the hell is paramore pictures like you know um it's it's just real it's there i guess um (laughs) if you're if you're sick and (laughs) like there's nothing better to watch you just want like some sound in the background (laughs) i mean like like you like you mentioned before i i'm not interested in super soldier versus evil government fiction it does not hold my interest largely because it feels extremely predictable and because the main characters are super soldiers, there are just never stakes to anything, which you also said. You know, this book at least it's like tried to engage with some emotional stuff and questions about like humans and like inorganic life having sentience, but it was super surface level and clumsy and just way too direct. Um for all the plot failings of delirium it, that book did do the whole uh. like teen introspection thing well and got to the emotional core of the main character. And this book didn't come near that level of finesse. That's a good point. I hadn't considered that comparison. Yeah. In summary, yeah, to answer the Nice Dragons question, like why didn't this book make it? I think, Chris, you already said it. I mean, it doesn't do anything really new or interesting. I mean, it definitely avoids a lot of extra shitty things but then it it still has some sprinkling of shitty cliche stuff so it's real middle of the road real mediocre i think the nice dragon suggested that as a possibility so uh i am going to say that is probably right i think this was just pretty mediocre and it didn't didn't do anything particularly great right did a lot of things either real real below average or just barely hitting average so didn't stick out mm-hmm. <sighs> all right chris all right it's time to thank the patrons thank you greg veronica will d jared arant senior Jakob, like chorus elliot kieran martin luchek miri yanka david anya patricia austin donnie beast with the least scott h robin lax of the void the talk reading unicorn 
Last Man on Earth 01, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hollyboy 93, Harry, Renee, Emmy, The Ugly One, Bleach Black Cat, Julius the Nice Dragon, our Kofi Donor Kiwi thing, and our newest patron, Eastern Swiss. Thank you so very much, Eastern Swiss, for becoming a $20 a month patron and for donating a real, live, terrible book to us through the mail. We're eager to dig our little, terrible cause into it in the coming oh, months. Oh, yes. Thank we have, you very we much, have already received it. Uh, we, yeah, we mm-hmm. took a cursory look at it. It's something. It's something. There is a book. Sure. Okay. Well, Paris, I'm off to do enough push-ups to start deflecting <laughs> bullets with a sword. I think if I do enough, I'll be able to get that hyper-agility that I need. And finally, I will be able to catch everything that I almost drop. That's going to be how I use my agility. Like, you know, when you drop something, I'll, I'll always be able to catch it before it lands. On the yeah, I'll, um, I'll make sure I lift a weight and so that I can perform emergency tracheotomies in absolutely absurd situations with absurd tools. You need the strength yeah. for that. You need the mm-hmm. strength for that. All right, Paris. Catch you next time. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. 